Azure update for February 16th, 2020. I'm Philippe Alpha. I'm Patrick Mifflin. I'm Brandon Perkin. And I'm Chris Ologi. And uh, hopefully you guys haven't been like getting slammed by the insane weather that we've been having over the last week. Uh, storm. Oh, uh, it's Wazoo. been... Yeah, it, it, it's been cold and rainy today. Yeah. So. In Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got dumped on like, a few earlier this week. Uh, it's just... Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much done with winter, really. Uh, can, we, can we just like fast forward a couple of months to spring, please? Because really, uh, not till I, I get my AC. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's one thing I'm glad I I still have. <laughs> Hopefully, it holds out another summer and uh, won't like explode in the middle of it. Cause that would be bad. But yeah, it's I been... mean March does start in a couple of months, so oh, that's. Mm couple weeks yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> yeah it's 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 been that kind of week <laughs> yeah that way uh so a lot of a lot has happened uh we're gonna talk about it but before we get there uh catch up with what we've been doing this week and for me not a whole lot of change uh i'm playing through a second career pc building simulator on steam this time because i'm an idiot uh, so been doing that and uh and ending up finding um storylines that i had actually missed the first time um because uh there is one particular uh story set of story jobs that initially looks like spam (laughs) and it involves a uh nigerian prince (laughs) so yeah uh ended up with uh that turning out to be a very large payout so yeah, maybe you should respond to those. What are the odds? Yeah, seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When you start getting jobs that have that don't pay you anything, uh, then you're like, huh, that's weird. Uh. Also, don't have a budget, so that's also weird. Uh, uh. It, it made it made me think there's probably something weird there going on. So maybe I'll see it through, and I'll just throw together some stuff I've already got from used parts, and it worked. So. Uh, ended up with a four thousand dollar payout in the end, so uh, uh, I'm good with that. Yeah. Okay then. Yeah. So other than that, well, Tetris Effect and uh, Code Shifter. Uh, Code Shifter is proving to be kind of weird. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's it's good, it's fun, uh, but it's like the uh, the pixel art characters, all the arc system ones that uh, that they've done in uh, pixel art form. Uh-huh. It's they, they don't feel quite right. And it's like it's the the very bare minimum for them to be functional as characters in the game, and they they uh-huh. don't really feel like the the characters from the games that they're actually supposed to be from. Uh, it's, That's a shame. Yeah, well, it's kind of like uh, they were all like homogenized for that Smash uh, kind of uh, clone that they've got in there. Uh-huh. Uh, but when you actually put them through the action platformer section, it just doesn't feel quite right. Uh, it's it's kind of a shame too because it's uh, this is a concept that could totally work if it was expanded on and just given more time and development uh, uh, resources. That's uh, our system works, so I totally expect that's going to happen. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, they do have something here. So it's um, it's like it seems like a, like more of a proof of concept game, maybe like if people are actually interested in it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what it actually kind of reminds me of, because um, this hasn't been on the internet in a few years now, but 
Do you remember that project that guy did of where he made a he put up like an entire like version of Super Mario Brothers, but you could play it with under other Nintendo characters. Uh, yeah, the one with like you know Mega Man and Simon Belmont and Link, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds kind of like that too, it, because it, it's yeah, kind of is because it's basically taking all these. Uh, characters from all these games from very different properties and trying to sort of mold them into what would make them work in a platformer. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, it sort of kind of works, but it's it's one of those things where, like, I can definitely see the potential, and uh, I kind of hope this isn't the last we see of the concept, because it's definitely a solid concept. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, so other than that, what about you, Pat? Well, obviously a lot of NHL 20 because this, um, front office expansion experiment has taken on a life of its own and I'm just producing and uploading videos as fast as I possibly can. Um, one of my friends mentioned that I found a way to make sports bingeable, which kind of makes me wonder, oh my God, what have I done? But it, um, it's definitely working, and I think I've got a really good, uh, consistent YouTube series in the works. Um, it's been a weird trip with this team because I offloaded a couple of expiring contracts at the trade deadline, mm-hmm. which I'm now on the other side of. And the team was just really on the schneid like they they're they're already solidly in the playoffs in the playoff picture um they would have to pretty much lose the entire rest of the schedule to change that because they hit a really hot streak uh fairly early in the in the season but they've been on a a similarly cold streak of late losing eight of nine games and so you know, I can't make any more adjustments to the roster as far as making trades or signing free agents goes. So I decided I was just going to send a couple guys down to the to the minors on a conditioning stint and give a couple of rookies a look to see how they fit into the coach's system. And we proceed to win the next three games. Hmm. So I'm really not sure what to make of this club <laughs> at this point, but uh, it should at least make for a very interesting um, stretch run and postseason. Yeah. And it's really interesting watching this roster take shape. So, yeah. In addition, I've also been messing around with um, Franchise Hockey Manager 6 on the PC because I'm going to be doing some stuff with that for a future project. I think I've talked about on this show before, but... Uh, I still haven't decided uh, what team I'm going to to take over for the um, the first season of that, but it should still be a very fun experiment, and I'm looking forward to to putting it together once I get everything sorted out as far as the the what and how of it. Hmm. But um, yeah, the hockey content has been real and. Um, it's it's basically a really detailed exercise in armchair GMing with an actual watchable product attached to it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, and I'm having a blast actually making it. So, yeah, uh, that's been my week. How, how about you, Brandon? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm primarily playing Axiom Verge right now. Um, I've now gotten to the point where I'm kind of not sure where I need to go now. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I... So like right now I've gotten uh you know I've gotten all the uh the, the most recent um um thing I got was uh the bomb you know the one that like transforms all of the uh the I guess what's called the distorted areas yeah the glitches uh yeah um and now I'm at the point where I got to figure out where it is I got to go next hmm. um you know. I've gotten both of uh, the AIs like fully functional now, um, and I guess I'm getting close to the end. Yeah. Um, I just got to figure out where it is I got to go. Because um, the thing about this point about this part of the game is trying to backtrack and find the areas that you need to go to. Yeah. Remember, um, there was one uh, red glitched area right at the beginning of the game. Yeah, I already went there. Already been there. Okay. Um. Uh, but yeah. So that's Axiom Verge. Uh, also been playing uh, Disco Elysium some more. I uh, finally got a chance to talk with the guy, the union leader, the guy who's uh, basically the guy who's got the union on strike, and he's basically a fat, wall-eyed toad who basically is corrupt as hell, and he's got his. Basically, his hands in just about everything in the city, from the city's militia to the, you know, the corporation that they're currently, uh, you know, negotiating with, to basically the local crime stuff. Um, and again, uh, this game still manages to find ways to uh, surprise me. Uh, I uh, needed to go do like a skill check with a. To, I needed to basically knock out uh, so I could get past him to get into the union's office. Um, and I thought that was just going to be a punch. Um, I tried it first, and the dude basically cracked my knuckles. Uh, so I had to go back and do some other stuff so I could level up some things. And so I came back, and uh, I'm thinking... You know, what am I going to do now? Am I going to be able to knock him out? No, what happens is uh, I do knock him out, but not with a punch. Uh, first, I give him a, punch, a rabbit punch, you know, in the bread basket, gives him bent over. And then I end up ste- stepping back and give him a jumping roundhouse kick to the cranium. <laughs> hey, whatever just, works. Yeah. I mean, it worked. <laughs> but it just, it's like, holy crap, out of nowhere. Um. But yeah, that 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 is a game. If if you are listening to us and you have not played that game yet, you've got to play it. It is amazing. Uh and uh that's all I've got. So Chris, what about you? Uh yeah, so yesterday I streamed some dreams and played the uh the winners of the uh MP Awards, which is their sort of uh awards sort of celebrating the uh favorite creators and creations and such. Uh, and they have a nice little uh, way of giving the creations uh, medals attached to them so that you can click on it and see, like, oh, here's all the other ones. 
that also have it. Uh, so I have like a nice little section just for the for those ones, and I played through, uh, played all of them. Uh, some of them are just, uh, you know, well done sculpts, uh, music stuff here and there, uh, things like that. But a number of them are actual games, and a lot of them are really really cool. Uh, it's a couple that are puzzle games. Uh, one that's kind of a platformer where you are uh, trying to collect uh, these 12, I forget what they were, uh, but the, the whole uh, level has a number of like uh, computer items on it. So like your save point is F5, an F5 key you find in the environment. Uh, some of the moving platforms I saw were basically like CPU chips, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, what else is there? There was uh, some platforms you could activate to pull out of the wall were CD drives, that kind of thing. There's a lot of really cool uh, ways of using uh, uh, different parts from computers as uh, uh, parts of the level uh, in a cool way. Uh, the main issue with that is it needed you to uh, turn on the motion controls because uh, one of the things they did with the the big update is allow you to use the uh, just the the left and right sticks for control of the the imp cursor, yeah. uh, which uh, works great for the the menus. But uh, some games are built around the the motion control aspect of it, so uh, some of the the creators need to just put little notes like, "Hey, turn this on mm. uh, when you're playing this," or else. Because you would essentially be trying to move and move the cursor at the same time with your character, and it's, it doesn't work too well that way. Uh, when one is moving, uh, uh, it's harder to move that way while keeping your character on the platform, waiting for the next one. I like those CD drive platforms are timed. Yeah. Uh, so they're open for like five seconds, something like that. So you kind of either have to become somehow incredibly skilled or just uh, very lucky. Uh, getting that stuff set up, but yeah, they were all really well done. Definitely made sense why they won uh, these awards, and I decided to play some other stuff, seeing uh, what sort of games people are trying to make in uh, Dreams from other games. Uh, one of the most impressive was Fallout 4 Dreams Edition. Hmm. Somebody was starting to work on making Fallout 4 in Dreams. Uh, and they had like the 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 menu system in there, uh, you know, when you open it up and it's just showing you the the red rockets, uh, garage, that kind of thing. They have that all made in there. Uh, there's a nice little tutorial area, just tells you about the the controls, which works mostly what Fallout 4 has. There's no vets yet. Uh, this is all very much work in progress, and the uh, it's not open world uh, at the moment. They have I think two or three areas uh, right now you kind of uh, start when you play the what they have in the regular game it's kind of this uh, area underneath uh, one of the big bridges in the game and you kind of talk to one of the robots you know say like I'm looking for my gun he gives you a gun you can kind of go look around uh, you get on this little uh, conveyor uh, lift that pulls you up and one end of the bridge uh, that you can reach has some turrets that you can kill to get a couple of scraps in there. Uh, and it does have inventory. Uh, you can pick up uh, health items. Uh, when you go back into the the town where there's just two quests right now, one for taking out like a super tough enemy 
Uh, I think it's a sentry bot uh, that's walk that kind of rolls around. Uh, and the other one I think is a quest to dig out some Mirelurks uh, in an underground passage. So there's uh, and it's very tough. The the shooting controls aren't quite there yet, uh, and the balance isn't uh, there just yet because I had to take like three deaths to take down the the sentry bot and uh, I was wandering around uh, the area a little bit and walked into where these uh, protectrons were and you couldn't program or anything but once you got near it the, the, the little pod opens up and they come out and start shooting you uh, and that took uh, quite a bit of doing because they can kind of it feels like their uh, aiming skills are way better than yours they're able to target you a lot more easily, so there's there's definitely some balance there that needs to be done. But it's a really cool demo of what uh, these people have been able to do for this one. Uh, it's kind of one of those cool ones. Uh, there's another one that's like Simpsons Hit and Run. They're trying to make, but they only had like the uh, like a small neighborhood to drive around in, uh, and the the Homer and Marge models were a bit suspect. Uh, so definitely, art's not there. Their big uh, inspiration, but there's, uh, I think one of the other games was basically a Resogun style game called I think it's Glade Runner. Uh, I think that's what it was called, uh, which uh, works really well. Uh, it just spawns in enemies. You go through waves. Uh, as you take out enemies, you get money. That uh, when you die, you can uh, go through the the main menu and uh, buy upgrades for your uh, ship, whether it's more lives or uh, better guns or buffing your uh, different uh, bombs and such, uh, that kind of thing. That's really cool. And yeah, that game uh, has a lot there for people that want to uh, dive in and even just play a lot of the cool stuff that's in there, uh, especially for the the games that Medium Molecule has made themselves. And yeah, just started dipping into a little bit of the the creation stuff as they kind of run you back through the uh, tutorial stuff, uh, especially when they introduce you to the the new home space, which you can kind of have full control of uh, building out and uh, customizing how you want. So they walk you through the, the different controls for that, and the the big thing they added is that, if you remember Little Big Planets, uh, one of the things you usually get throughout levels is these uh, bubble collectibles. They have uh, <laughs> various items or stickers or whatnot to uh, use in your own levels, and they do this just for dreams as well. So as you complete the quests or play the campaign or that kind of stuff, uh, you get these new items that you can use for your own levels and all that, as well as, I think with uh, this, they give you two packs worth of stuff that they used in Art Streams. Uh, the campaign. Uh, I've seen people making levels for that with that stuff already, so it's definitely a good kind of easy way to get into uh, producing stuff. Uh, just using that if you uh, don't want to work on uh, your own assets just yet. So there's definitely a lot in there that uh, makes it a really impressive uh, sort of game engine kind of thing. And almost... I've been seeing people describe it this way, but it almost feels like Dreams could definitely be like the the YouTube of video games. Mm-hmm. Where people can just kind of put up uh, their ideas really quickly 
uh, get feedback and all that kind of stuff from people and uh, do a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. Whether that's just riffs off of existing uh, stuff, uh, remaking games, demaking games, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of cool possibilities, and it's pretty easy and accessible uh, for those that have dreams. And yeah, that was uh, that was pretty impressive stuff that I saw in there. Uh, also, even saw like somebody was starting work on a survival open world survival RPG in there, and the the first bit was just uh, uh, a pretty small area, just kind of showing you some of the the crafting stuff they had working so far. But yeah, there's a lot of people got some really cool stuff working in there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's definitely something people should check out if they're interested. If as long as you know that you're not getting, you know, like you're not going to get full Fallout 4 in this game, you're not going to get, you know, Devil May Cry 5 level game. You know, those aren't going to be the things that are uh, able to be created in this. It's going to be kind of a lot of uh, uh, small stuff and people just kind of putting out uh, impressive, like small versions of big games. That uh, you know, a lot of the the play times I saw people. Uh, listing in their in their uh, descriptions when you go to start it, it's like oh this is like an hour experience or an hour and a half like that kind of thing. That uh, seems like a the real kind of wheelhouse that game uh, has to offer is these quick little uh, experimental games that uh, works out really well. And uh, yeah, I've been playing more Rocket League. Uh, they are. Uh, almost done with the, the Lucky Lanterns event, so I've been playing some more of that. It's working on my uh, weekly challenges and trying to get the the last couple of uh, the like loot crates they have in there that you can earn. Uh, it's one of the the top priced items is like this uh, this loot crate that you can get uh, for the I think it's like 150 of the tickets, uh, which isn't too hard to get. It's maybe about 10 to 15 games, mm. and uh, it just basically gives you a random item. I think for the holiday one, one of the items I got was uh, actually a, a new car body, uh, which is kind of an F1 style car, which is really cool to get. Um, but yeah, the that's been kind of what I've been working on on that, and also been playing more DJ Max Respect. Uh, really kind of working through. So when you beat a, a song with uh, a max combo, what it calls uh, that, you get the uh, music video unlocked, so you can kind of uh, listen to or watch the the video they use for that song uh, as much as you want. You can even create like playlists and such if you just want to listen to the music uh, that way. So I've been kind of working my way through the freestyle mode uh, for that, uh, which is me kind of looking through at the songs that have low uh, beats per minute. And uh, have the lower ratings for the difficulty, uh, which is going to be about I think ten songs so far. I've done that with still like fifty or so more to go, and definitely a lot of these uh, are going to be some very tough songs to try to do that with. And I'm just doing it on the normal difficulty, hmm. uh, which is the easiest one. I think there's there's a harder one, and then there's like a maximum difficulty. As well, where it's like, oh, this is like a four star on normal, and it's like ten on maximum. Uh, and that's even with the songs where it's like, oh, it's like 120 beats per minute. 
uh, versus others I've seen is like 230 beats per minute, and it's like on its normal is like a, an eight. Hmm. It's like what the fuck is this shit? It's gonna take a while uh, to work my way through it, but uh, that game's a lot of fun, uh, especially just trying to nail it down. Uh, the the different parts of the songs, especially kind of running into new mechanics that cause I don't think there's really a tutorial in it. So there are some songs I run into where it's like, oh, you know, spin the stick. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I've just been hitting, you know, the left up uh, triangle and circle. And it's like, what the fuck is this? And that's, uh, so that's like a nice little wrench it throws into on some songs where you just kind of have to swirl the stick and hope you do it the long enough so you don't uh, mess up. Uh, luckily, not too many songs have that in there. But yeah, definitely have been uh, working on that. And that's a good game to kind of just pull out my headset and plug it into the controller itself and just uh, listen to it that way. And uh, one of the nice things is as you uh, level up, uh, they have like achievements, an in-game system of achievements, just keeping track of like, you know, you beat this many songs, You've max comboed this many songs. Uh, you've gotten streaks of this many notes in a row, which uh, in freestyle, it, it continues between songs. Hmm. Uh, and then it's also friendly enough that if you like mess up in a song, you can just restart that song. and It'll keep uh, going from where it was at the beginning of the song before you messed up. Hmm. Uh, so it's nice. I think one of the achievements is to uh, the trophies is for 10,000 notes in a row. I think I'm at like 3,600 after like a handful of songs. Uh, so it's definitely uh, got some work to go if I want to get that. Yeah. Uh, but also I'm trying to get max combo on songs I haven't played yet. So it's like, okay, this is a, this is a lose-lose situation unless I just play like the easiest songs over and over again yeah. uh, for like 20 times, whatever it takes. Um, but yeah, that, that game has uh, a lot of stuff to unlock because I still, in freestyle mode, they show you all the songs I think that are in the game. It's like 60-something. And there's a bunch that I don't even have unlocked yet. I just haven't leveled up yet uh, enough to get those. Uh, but there's still, I think I have like 20 or 30 that are unlocked right now. So still have a lot to work through. Uh, the arcade mode's pretty cool, which just gives you uh, a random selection of songs. You pick one, then it gives you, if you beat it uh, sufficiently, you get to the next uh, set of songs. You get to pick another one, then it gives you a final set uh, for the third one. You just try and go through that uh, without uh, fucking up. And they get increasingly harder, so you get some points like, oh shit, I'm fucked on this last song mm. uh, kind of thing. And then there's online mode, which I haven't tried yet. I'm not sure if it's like uh, uh, Taiko no Tatsujin, which just uses uh, uh, Ghost, where you're facing off against somebody's uh, previous playthrough mm. of a song uh, and trying to get a higher score than them, or if it's actually live. It has the same kind of setup where you have uh, a comment you can uh, select on your profile that I assume gets thrown in uh, at the beginning of your attempt at beating the other player's uh, song at their, their score. That kind of stuff. You have like a card you can have, an avatar, like a couple different things for your like gamer tag to use on there. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there uh, for that game. Definitely was worth the 17 bucks I paid for it. Uh, I'm just hoping at some point they put the DLC on sale because that'll be a nice, uh, nice way to add some more stuff to it. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of rhythm games out there right now. That's kind of no, it's 
not uh it's not a genre that's very popular at this point yeah and it's a lot of stuff that's just coming out of like korea and japan mm. uh for the most part uh oh yeah there was one in the dreams that won a, an award mm. uh which is one called player piano player uh where you're playing a like robot dude who's playing uh player piano and it has notes coming off the uh the little thing in the middle of it mm. uh and you're trying to hit those notes as best you can, but if you start fucking up, you start seeing uh, cursors aiming at you as dudes in this Old West uh, saloon are getting ready to shoot you. Mm-hmm. And you also have buttons to dodge left or right to try to avoid shots if you can't uh, start playing well enough to convince them to not shoot you. And it's very hard. I think the the best time I got was like 38 seconds I could last. Mm. Uh, that was like a really fun little way of uh, doing a a very hard rhythm game uh, in a way that I hadn't really expected. Uh, I also saw there was somebody that made uh, a quick game that's uh, a representation of uh, the experience of playing Red Dead Online 2, mm. which is that you play for like five seconds, you get a like, disconnect notice. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> that kind right. of thing. So it's, uh, it's a lot of that kind of uh, shit-talking stuff in there as well. Mm. Uh but yeah, that's uh, that's been the majority of what I've been playing. I also played a, a bit of Noita, just continuing to plug in into that uh, here and there. And uh, now that my phone's fixed, uh, the good news is that Teresa can now get gifts from me on Pokemon Go. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, that now works. Yeah. Uh, especially now having the, the the SIM card activated so I can actually play away from a, hot, uh, a Wi-Fi hotspot. Yeah. Uh, which is good because that's kind of the way you actually have to play. It is not being connected to uh, one Wi-Fi spot uh, uh, every once in a while because trying to drive around and like have to stop and like, okay, can I log into this one? doesn't have any code on it. like, damn it, it needs a code at the on the web's the, the, the web uh, version of the login they think they have. It's like, god damn it. Uh, but now I, I went to, I had to go out for some errands yesterday and uh, drove around and got some things there so I could actually do some stuff now. And weird things, my uh, friends at work decided all of a sudden to just everybody just start playing Pokemon Go for some reason. Uh, I think Sword and Shield got them a bit excited about Pokemon. It's like, well, we can play it on the phone with that when we're here at work and not have to you know, worry too much about being bored at work uh, all the time. So yeah, that's uh, so I got more friends on my list. But not everybody just yet because I haven't been there with everybody at the same time to get synced up on that. But it's also sending some stuff their way. It's fun to kind of uh, play with them because they don't necessarily have as much stuff just yet. Whereas I'm like, I got I got this Pikachu with a Luffy D monkey hat on. Uh, or a, a Mimikyu hat on. Like this weird shit. Hmm. But also I'm running out of space for Pokemon uh, because I'm trying to keep like two of everything, so just in case if I fuck something up with uh, upgrading one, I didn't, I wasn't supposed to or anything. Uh, I have a backup just in case, especially for some of the harder stuff to get. Because uh, I did that once on one of the quests where I did the one of the goals was to uh, evolve them. And I was like, oh, I can do that. I didn't realize the other ones was to like take a screenshot of them. And do this other stuff with them that you, know, you can't do when you evolve it. They're no longer that thing. So uh, 
definitely uh, a lot of work into going into some of these uh, quests they give you. Also, logging into that game on a different uh, phone meant that they just gave me the intro screen for introducing those quests again, hmm. uh, over and over and over and over and over again, uh, which is annoying because it's just like him standing there and be like, "Hey, I've been doing this research, and you got a, uh, we got some goals for you to do." And it's like, "Yeah, I know." None of these are new. I have partial progress on all of them. And it's got to explain everything to me. It's like, this is all annoying. They have to ex- redo some of this stuff again, but eh, it works for the most part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's been pretty much it for me. Mm-hmm. All righty. So let's uh, get into the news of the week. We'll, we'll start off with a couple of releases uh, upcoming. Uh, this, show, this one should probably make Brandon pretty happy. Uh, Sakura Wars is coming out on PS4 April 28th. Yep. Um, and yeah, the thing is, though, I've been hearing some mixed messages from people who've played it. Uh, you know, people have apparently, if you go on, you know, Amazon on Japan and leave like the reviews that Japanese reviewers have put on, some of them really like it, some of them really don't. Um, some of them like having problems with the story, and apparently they've, uh, the uh, gameplay is more hack and slashy than mm. Sakura Wars used to be. Yeah. Uh, but then again, these are Japanese players we're talking about, and well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Well, um, it's not far to wait. So. No, it's uh, but this is also going to be like the same. Let's see. This is gonna. This is also going to be around the same time Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out. So. Yeah, about a week after. Yeah, so, yeah. So. We'll see if that, if I can fit it into my schedule. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's coming, and uh, a little closer in uh, February twenty fifth, we've got uh, Space Channel Five VR. So that'll mm. be interesting for those uh, PSVRs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's an all new game. It's not a a remake of the original, and uh, it's going to be I think forty bucks uh, for that. But it seems like a, a pretty cool game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good fit for that, uh, for VR. Yeah, but yeah, it seems like it's coming to everything. But I think PSVR is the first one coming out. Yeah, I said about a month later it's going to come to the other VR platforms. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Okay. And uh, let's see, what else have we got? <clears throat> Switch Online uh, users are going to be getting uh, updates to uh, the NES and SNES libraries um, like yeah. soon. Two games each on the 19th. Uh, let's see, on Super Nintendo, there's Poppin' Twinbee, mm-hmm. uh, which is a vertical scrolling shooter yep. uh, in that series. I think the one I know of was a uh, was one where you're kind of shooting bells. To kind mm-hmm. of uh, keep it going. I think this one's a little bit different than that. Yeah. Uh, this is the first release for this one in the U.S. Yeah, special release. This is actually the uh, if you're like wondering where the characters from Parodius came from, this is the this is the game they came from, mm. basically. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that'll be one of the Super Nintendo games. The other one is Smash Tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seems like an okay tennis game from I, when I looked it up earlier. Uh, yeah, not too many people really know it, but it looks like a hey, we had a, a way of making this weird 
tennis game that uh, uh, has a little bit of uh, mode seven on it. Mm-hmm. Has some weird uh, ability to have like stuff like fog show up in the mm-hmm. on the the courts, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Seems like it'll be an okay game, I guess. Uh, I don't know that there were too many great tennis games on the Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. I guess it's also the first release in the U.S. Came out in Japan '93 and Europe in '94. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I'm not sure who published this. Let's see if I can figure that out. But uh, let's see for NES, Shadow the Ninja, mm-hmm. uh, which I had not heard of. That's a good game. Oh yeah, yeah. that's a uh, that's a uh, kind of a classic. I mean, it's a cult classic, but yeah. Yeah, I imagine that one's probably pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. Uh, that, I had to that's guess. yeah. Oh boy. Okay, super. That Smash Tennis was also known as Super Family Tennis in Japan, uh, in Japan as published by Namco, mm-hmm. published and developed by Namco. Uh, so okay. Uh, the other NES game is Eliminator Boat Duel. Oh. Seems like the most weird. Uh, uh, kind of way of putting together a game. I guess it's a powerboat racing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says you get behind the wheel of one of the fast machines on the water to earn boatloads of in-game cash. Drivers earn thousands of dollars for competing and you use your winnings to repair and upgrade your boat to push your competitive edge to its maximum. A little aggression goes a long way. Just try not to get yourself sunk or you'll be swimming back to dry land. Mm. So yeah, the look at images of this and it's yeah, it definitely looks like a, an NES game where people are like just picking random nouns. Like, let's put this all together. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, it's boat duels. All right, eliminate boat duel. Okay, we'll figure out how this goes. Okay, you're a boat. You're racing through the water, and you can fuck each other up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's basically how because, that works. Because we're going to make it so hard, you probably have to uh, play it a bunch to beat it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. that, kind of thing. So that seems like basically what it is. Uh, let's see, what is it published by... Published by Electrobrain, hmm. made by Sculptured Software and Radioactive Software. Yeah, they did a bunch of weird games back in the day. Yeah, seems like a, an acclaimed studio. Hmm. Uh, at least they became that at some point. But hmm. yeah, three difficulty levels. Okay, yeah, seems okay. Nintendo Power, Nintendo Power gave it a four hmm. out of five at that point. Yeah. Well, at least there's still stuff coming out. It's just. Yeah, nothing people would would have asked for, I no. guess. <laughs> except, Basically, no. except for weirdos. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's yeah. No, mm. so, Shadow of the Ninja is worth playing. It's a great game. So. Yeah, I'll probably do a stream of these games next weekend. Yeah, uh, after they're out, mm. see what they have to offer. Alrighty, next up we got uh, Fire Emblem. Uh, last wave of DLCs coming up soon, and it's going to contain a pretty big story expansion to to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this uh, involves a fourth house, the Ashen Wolves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've heard people say it's going to be about eight to ten hours of content. More of yep. Fire Emblem. Uh, yeah, which unfortunately uh, you can't just buy this one and. Skip the others. It's twenty five bucks for all four waves, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the final part of this, at least this pack of stuff. Let's see. It's got a side story, seven chapters in total, separate for the main story. Mm-hmm. Uh, new location, abyss beneath the monastery for you to explore. Four new characters from the secret Ashen Wolves house, 
that can be recruited in the main games. You progress in the side story, uh, new quest activities, paralogues, and classes will be added to the main story as you progress through the side story. Uh, so yeah, seems like a big way to end this because the other ones doesn't seem like it had too much in it. Mm-hmm. It says Wave 1 was a couple of new outfits for the female and male Byleth. Uh, wave 2 is additional auxiliary battle maps, helpful in-game support items, and more. Wave 3 was additional quests and attires, recruitable Anna, new maid and butler battalions, Asana, and more. So I guess this one seems like the, the one that people would have wanted from yeah, the start. The, the, the one that they're saving for, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you paid your twenty five bucks, well, you'd probably be well served at least. So, yeah, mm. well, that's pretty cool. Um, another kind of sad news: uh, FK Digital, the makers of Chaos Code, we talked about a few weeks back, I think. Uh, they're not going to be making any more new titles for some. Yeah, so they put yeah. a note that as of March thirty first, they were ceasing development of. Uh, any new titles includes the announced uh, Chaos Code next episode from Ugh. Extreme Tempest. Tempest. Mm. Uh, and it seems like the reason is because uh, the producer for the Chaos Code series, uh, Mickey Lynn, uh, shared that he is kind of stepping down for mental health reasons. Mm. Uh, partially because his brother Michael passed away uh, back in on Christmas 2017. Uh, never discloses to uh, the public or even his team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's, uh, death had kind of really done a number on him. Mm-hmm. He needed to kind of step away. It seems like uh, as a result, that kind of leaves the team without like a major figure to really do much more work. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of the best interest of kind of stopping it. Maybe if things get better for him, maybe they'll come back to... Uh, continue their work, but for the time yeah. being, they're stepping down. Yeah, that's <sighs> kind of sad, but kind of. Yeah, if a guy's going to take a break for his own mental health, you can't really yeah. play against them. Yeah. yeah, a whole lot more to say about that, I suppose. Mm. Yep. Uh, so Tim Sweeney, uh, yeah, he's kind of crazy sometimes, but oh yeah, also apparently not actually a terrible person. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was uh, giving the dice keynote, and uh, it was apparently kind of confusing and rambling. To be honest, yeah. it's yeah, talking about a lot of things, uh, talking about gamer rights and freedoms, uh, as well as saying there's no need to drag divisive topics like politics into gaming. As he said, uh, we as companies need to divorce ourselves from politics and say that that is for individuals to engage in. We as platforms should be neutral. Uh, then goes on to say when a streamer jumps in and shares a political message in the context of an esport or just a streamer or commentator on Reddit expresses their opinion, we're seeing gaming becoming more like a social network. Whether we like it or not, we're not. We're going to have to accept that gaming is now a platform for world discourse. But then later, jump back into that and said we need to separate the creative's commentary from the marketing department. We should get the marketing departments out of politics. The world is really screwed up right now. Right now, your political orientation determines which fast food chicken restaurant you would go to. That's yeah. really dumb. There's no reason to drag divisive topics like that into gaming at all. Uh, just not really a great thing to say uh, because you know limiting what 
games can talk about. It's not. Yeah. It's where you end up with what Ubisoft's been doing, mm-hmm. which is you hold a game in uh, Washington D.C. and say, not make any say you're not making any commentary on the current politics. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, uh, he actually clarified that the later. Basically, he said uh, if like creatives want to do that and be and uh, make politically charged games, that they should be able to do that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just yeah, it's it's weird because yeah. a lot of the a lot of the stuff he's saying, I don't particularly disagree with. Yeah, uh, it's just he doesn't seem to have a cohesive way of saying what he wants to say. Yeah, hmm. uh, especially it's yeah, it's just kind of seems like trying to talk about a million things in you know twenty minutes or whatever. Yeah. Focus. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see uh, what else he was talking about here. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, he was saying something weird about his uh, about he doesn't want video games to be like Las Vegas. Um, yeah. So. You know, yeah. Yeah. Section off games that have microtransactions. Yeah. So oh. he, it was. Um, it was kind of a mess. Uh, Basically, a, an editor would have really helped him there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, he generally he just kind of talks. And then you get stuff like this. Where it's like, yeah, it's... You're trying to say a lot and not really making a whole lot of cogent points because you're just cramming too much together. It's yeah. a pretty impressive word salad. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's easy to hate on on Tim Sweeney, but when you think about the stuff that he continually does, as far as uh, you know, his his own uh, community, like mm-hmm. he gener- he donated a million and a half dollars to uh, uh, Fish and Wildlife Fund for in his state. Uh, so, you know, he's not he's not a bad guy. He's just confused. Mm-hmm. We're all confused these days. Yeah, it's you got to be clear about what you're saying rather than dragging it out. Yeah, so that people hear just like a little bit of it and like, what the fuck is this shit you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, moving on, uh, the uh, tenure for the Need for Speed franchise from uh, Ghost Games is uh, well no longer happening. Uh, it's EA is shifting development of that franchise back to Criterion. So it will, which is weird because Criterion isn't really Criterion anymore. Yeah, they kind of they're exist. like fifteen people yeah. at this point, and most of the most of the people that you know that were the leads and influential people in those those burnout games and Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and Most Wanted are not there anymore. No, uh, a lot of them went over to Ghost Games. Yeah. Uh, and others just left to do their own thing, mm. uh, like three fields. Uh, so it's like weird. What? I think I'd be all for them doing like a smaller Need for Speed game, mm-hmm. just like taking a step back instead of just trying to create uh, the Need for Speed Forza Horizon experience. Yeah, uh, and doing something different. Which is what Heat was. It was basically that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a weird announcement 
nice that Criterion's going to be able to lead a project, but yeah. Also, what Criterion is at this point, we don't really know. Yeah, they've yeah. so been a support studio this entire generation. Yeah, I guess that also means we're probably going to be hearing a Need for Speed announcement sometime in the next few months. So, yep, figure out what that actually ends up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you know maybe. Well, Heat is basically trying to recreate Underground. Let's be honest. So. And uh, they didn't do it very successfully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyways. Uh, so moving on, we got uh, the Stardew Valley creator. He's basically announcing, hey, yeah, I'm working on spinoffs. Uh, don't get your panties in a bunch. I got yeah. stuff coming. Yeah. He's also, yeah. doesn't he also have that other project he's been working on? The uh, thing that was, a lot of people had kind of sort of compared it to Harry Potter. but No, that's... Uh... Uh, whatever the publisher, original publisher for Stardew Valley was. Oh. That's their okay. game. Okay. Uh, yeah. He just happened to be have a game working with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he said basically on Twitter, I'm actually working on a couple of new projects. One takes place in the world of Stardew Valley, but it's not a farming game. The other, I'm not 100% sure about the world yet, but it will tie into Stardew Valley in some way. Uh, also, to kind of try to tell people, like, don't get too excited just yet. Uh, all I ask is, please don't get too too hyped at this point. I want to avoid too much hype or speculation. I like to just make whatever games come naturally to me without too much pressure ex- expectation. Mm. Which, yeah, if you like Stardew Valley, that's how that was made without much pressure or expectations at all. Yeah, you just you know, don't sit there it. and ask them a million questions. Yeah, uh, let them just work on the thing and uh, enjoy it when it comes out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't take seven years. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that would be helpful. Uh, but, anyways. but he's got the money to probably take as long as he needs to. Yeah. He also has Not worry too much. higher help. So that's yeah. also So uh, other news, we talked about GeForce Now last week. Uh, I mentioned that I'm actually kind of liking it. Um, Activision Blizzard isn't really liking it because they pulled their uh, catalog of games. There were like 20 or 30 of them. Uh, from the service. Um, and Shocking. Yeah, apparently a misunderstanding. Uh, apparently Activision Blizzard uh, wasn't uh, too thrilled with the idea that um, people would be able to play the games that they already bought on another service. Uh, this is something that shocks uh, Activision yeah. Blizzard. <sighs> you, you know, it's Sometimes you just have to wonder if um, evil actually exists, and then you then you'd realize that that company is headed up by Bobby Kotick, and it's like, yeah, okay, that happens uh, because this is a totally Bobby Kotick thing. It's like it's basically, well, if we can't get a cut of uh, of it, we don't want it on uh, on any other platform. Mm. Yeah. Because basically what GeForce Now is uh, allowing is just, you know, paying for uh, to run a game on a high-end computer. That's basically what that boils down to. So, uh, and uh, yeah, Activision Blizzard, not too thrilled about that. NVIDIA says they are going to be working with them to try to get those titles back. And going forward, that hopefully won't be an issue. But it's like, yeah, it kind of shows that uh, some wires got crossed. Um, and well, I I don't have any real love for for Activision Blizzard at this point. That should be pretty obvious, considering what they continue to do to uh, yeah. 
you know, franchises that start off really great and then just, you know, get run into the ground. And they just take a big old Activision on it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's, it's, you can see it happening to Call of Duty already. Yeah. Like that franchise is going into the ground and, uh, the player base, uh, a lot of them are starting to, to slip away from it. And yeah, it's, I, I guess when you do something every year, that's kind of what's going to happen. You're going to reach a point of stagnation. So, and remember Tony Hawk? Yeah. That started mm-hmm. off great, and then we got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Five, yeah, which was a broken mess. So, and I, I'm pretty, in fact, I'm pretty sure the game, like the you, the actual game, was literally a literal Day Zero update. It, it was. <laughs> the, if you got the, uh, if you bought the disc, uh, what was on the disc was the tutorial. The rest of yeah. the game came in a patch. Mm-hmm. That was amazing, uh, and it needed a better one. Yeah, and it got several more patches, and it was still broken as fuck. So it, apparently, it was it, it was left in a state where it was actually sort of kind of playable, but uh, nobody really wanted to anyway by that point. So yeah. so moving on, what we got? Oh yeah, speaking of broken messes, Anthem is going to be rebooted. Uh, we were yeah. wondering what Anthem yeah, or Realm Reborn? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you and they are people are in fact that is what it's being compared to, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and Casey Hudson's like back behind the driver's seat. So, um, you know, I, I'll wait to see what this does, and considering what happens, I may buy the game again and play it again. Hmm. It's uh, all really depends on what they manage to figure out. Yeah. I mean, because it, it really would need a major overhaul. Uh, yeah, one of the big things they need to do is... Well, part of the problem was is they did, a, because for the sake of making it a live service game, they sacrificed a lot of what makes a Bioware game a Bioware game. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, I liked what I played when I played Anthem. Mm. I mean, we've got... Well, you know, you, you can read my review on the, uh, you know, on Smashpad. Um you know, I yeah. gave it a positive review, and I do, I did genuinely enjoy what I liked, but it was also very obvious that that game was still somewhat unfinished. Mm-hmm. And you know, now looking back at how that game was developed, it really shows. Mm-hmm. Um, it had the game really did have like a serious identity crisis. Um, and. You know what, like, you know, uh, I still like Bioware, um, and, you know, I liked uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Was it as good as the, like, the regular Mass Effect games? No, it wasn't, but it was still a good Mass Effect game, Um, and once they had patched everything, it was great. Um, So, you know, it's not like, you know, there are people who are, like, out there just completely trash Bioware. It's like, the old Bioware's gone, and... I can tell you firsthand from someone who's been playing Bioware games since the first Mass Effect, Bioware fans are awful. <laughs> oh, you just say? Yeah, they're yeah, yeah, they're 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 incredibly entitled assholes. Hmm. I mean, just look at what they what you know they they were such big assholes that they basically bullied Bioware into making a whole new ending. Hmm. Yeah. For Mass Effect 
that kind of happens when you essentially treat the devs of your favorite games like deities. Yeah. And they have, you know, slip-ups, which is normal. Yeah. Uh, um, you overreact in a way that's just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, that doesn't say I'm not concerned. Uh, the thing is, BioWare currently is working on a couple of big projects at the same time. We know that the next Mass Effect game is currently in development, for example. I mean, it's in the early stages, but it's happening. Uh, we know that they're working on Dragon Age 4, and now they're also going to be doing this reboot of Anthem. And apparently there's a fourth unnamed project that they're also working on. Hmm. Um, and part of the problems that happened with both Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda is... Having developers from these other projects having to get pulled to other bigger projects and sort of leaving these other projects to, like, the B team. Um, yeah, not really having a concise plan for what you're making. Yeah. You just had to make a new thing, not necessarily knowing, like, where – what the goal was. Yeah. Beyond just, like, we got to make, you know, uh, a game like Destiny. Yeah. Okay, how do you do that? What What's – the thing that you're going to do to set yourself apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to be Iron Man. Yeah. You're going to fly around. Like, okay. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong. That was actually one of my favorite parts of Anthem. That was, it, yeah. it was a lot of fun being able to fly around. And then there's the weird heat aspect of it. Yeah. You have to constantly fly under water or into water. Yeah. To, to be fair, the, to they did. It. It's, to be fair, uh, I've been told that. That aspect isn't quite as egregious now as it was when the game first released. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like yeah. weird aspects that carry over from like Mass Effect games where uh, you pick up loot and you can't use it right away. Yeah, you have Just to like, like level up and stuff. It's... You have to like finish what you're doing, and then you can go check out what you got. Mm-hmm. Which is what happened in Mass Effect, but also Mass Effect didn't have that much loot to it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's like the whole point of loot games is like, ooh, I got this new thing. Let me see what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See if it changes things. Uh, and, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with this. Yeah. Hopefully it's you know successful. Uh, apparently with the most recent uh, thing, they kind of are sort of uh, sort of putting the whole, like, romance aspect back into the gameplay, which was missing from, from Anthem at launch. Mm. Uh, I... Exactly how you do that in a live services game, I'm not sure, but you got to make the two Iron Mans kiss. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as for the next Max Effect, for the record, I am completely okay with playing another Mass Effect Andromeda game because I genuinely liked the little part of the Mass Effect universe that they built up for that for that particular uh, game. So yeah. just give them know. the time and ability to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, the team is ready to actually make it. Because that was like part of the issue with the like the graphics was like they weren't quite ready to get out when it was, and it was kind of a weird game. It was uh, in the middle of like generations when they started. Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, I I watched a documentary on Mass Effect Andromeda, and the development problems that that team had were amazing. Uh, Oh yeah, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. It was like a a bad time to start working on that game. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's like probably another doc about how Anthem was being made. I know Kotaku had that whole article 
that was written that basically was like an expose and it's like yeah it was it's basically a giant case of mismanagement mm-hmm. um of trying to do too much at once and also apparently EA kind of poking their ass into it um a little too much yeah um and so what i think is going to yeah so Again, I'm still concerned about the fact that, you know, they're trying to do all these big projects at once, you know, but cross your fingers. <laughs> yeah. Well, Only hope for the best. Yeah. We'll keep I mean, on. like I said, Casey Hudson's back at the wheel. You know, he's a bit better at managing these kinds of things, so. Yeah. yeah I like that they're uh, they're focusing on gameplay, which is something they probably should have done to begin with but yeah better late than never i suppose yeah uh, so moving on to ubisoft um we'll have some interesting new plans for the division too yeah um, yeah so they had a big stream this week uh called the future of division two of the division two yeah. uh and so uh, along with the the changes they're going to make to the game uh they announced a big new expansion that is going to take it back to new york uh, which was the site of the first game. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's going to be as big of a an area as the original. I think it's like four zones, but going from like Wall Street to Chinatown, mm-hmm. uh, parts of New York. Uh, it's going to be thirty bucks when it launches uh, in a few weeks here on March third, mm. uh, which is uh, pretty quickly uh, when they got this, and it deals with I believe the uh, the main antagonist from the original game uh, mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. But for the game itself, uh, despite the way this all is presented, the game itself is not uh, bad at all. It's actually one of their best games they've made in this generation, mm-hmm. uh, especially the end game stuff where they uh, essentially let you kind of level up the world and uh, change things up uh, a bit in some cool ways that... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but this time around, they're going to be uh, changing up how they do uh, loot, kind of like Diablo, uh, like doing like a loot 2.0 kind of system. Uh, yeah, the the loot system's kind of the the big issue, uh, where you kind of just had uh, a lot of loot management to do for not as much payoff mm. uh, and difference between the different items that you would get. Uh, so yeah, they uh, and let's see, yeah, they're been doing this uh, episode stuff where it's just new content coming out uh, every little bit. The uh, I guess this, uh, let's see, on the nineteenth, they're going to be uh, adding two new Coney Island missions uh, that'll be setting up towards the the new Warlords of New York expansion, mm. uh, that kind of thing. Uh, they're going to uh, let's see, where's the other stuff here? Let's see. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of what they're doing is changing how they're doing loot, make uh, the missions a bit more interesting and exciting to to play because people have to play them over and over again. It kind of gets a little old at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just kind of being more forthcoming of what, what they're working on here. And so, yeah, kind of just expanding the game a bit more uh, with this. So it's kind of uh, some good stuff to kind of get it going and I think for the the future of the game, they're going to be going more seasonal path, uh, mm-hmm. so that there will be 
seasons where you get to play a bunch of stuff, roll out some new uh, content, and kind of let you play that uh, as you work towards like the the next season after that kind of thing. So like battle pass kind of stuff here that uh, seems like it might be a better fit for this game mm. versus just the the pure content stuff. Like because the season pass they put out, you were not actually paying for content. The content is free. You're just getting like the ability to access it like a week or two ahead of time, as well as maybe some small, like a small set of uh, uh, extra missions here and there. Uh-huh. But it's a lot of stuff that's like this really wasn't uh, a good way of funding the game for stuff that you're going to get either way, just depending on how dedicated you were to the game. Mm. Uh, but yeah, they. So they're not going to be bringing back the underground survival modes from the first game, uh, which are two of the sort of big end game piece of content they had that people were kind of hoping would come back. Mm-hmm. But they say they're going to be doing something else instead. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's what they're going to be trying to do is more part of this uh, season approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they're calling directives. Uh, all players to apply challenge modifiers to the main missions to customize uh, how they... Uh, turn out so that's uh, pretty cool they're going to be ex- uh, increasing the uh, level cap to 40 uh, and you'll and the expansion won't dictate who you can play with uh, so people that are, have the expansion will be able to match make with uh, people that don't have it and they'll scale them pro- appropriately that kind of stuff yeah. uh, people that don't buy the expansion will get still get some new things with the upcoming updates uh, all players will be able to play heroic versions of the game's main missions and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's a, it seems like a lot of good stuff is what they're doing here. Just kind of keep it fresh and not uh, kind of change up how they've been producing the content and putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way, it seems like it should hopefully appease people. Yeah, and people are actually liking the Division Two, so that helps to, to start with. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, just like... trying to figure out what the the best way to approach the new content is to keep people interested in it. Yeah. Which is at least a good problem to have. Yeah. Another news, uh, we got some next-gen uh, rumors. Uh, well, this isn't really a rumor. It's been kind of confirmed. Uh, Square Enix's new game, Outsiders, is going to be on PS5 and Xbox Series X as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Outriders. Outriders. Outsiders. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's a new game from People Can Fly, I mean, mm-hmm. Bulletstorm and all that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, they just confirmed that uh, beyond just PS4, Xbox One, and PC. It's also coming to the new consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it has a date other than later this year, but uh, it is the cover game for Game Informer this month. Yep. Uh, so people that want to check out more on that game can take a look at it. Uh, and it very much seems like uh, they're making uh, a Destiny-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, third-person cover-based uh, mm-hmm. shooter RPG. Yeah. yeah. Big difference between this type of game and, like, say, Destiny or Borderlands, uh, the cooldown times that you have to deal with are much shorter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, let's be honest, you know, this isn't like you know you're hoarding like an ultimate and Overwatch or something. Mm. You're, uh, it's exactly what you would expect people can fly to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what for that? Um, see, these next two stories are actually related, so I'm going to tackle them at the same time. Uh, we had the the ESA had a leak of the uh, 
Uh, basically, their exhibitor list, uh, an incomplete <laughs> exhibitor list, I'll point out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any surprises? But, yeah. No, well, the surprises were the fact that, you know, Nintendo and a few other big names weren't on it. Uh, but, like I said, it was uh, an incomplete list. Uh, but I think the bigger pro- picture here and the bigger problem is that, uh, yeah, another leak from the ESA. Uh-huh. That's true. Yeah, I thought they were supposed to be keeping their information more secure hands. <sighs> Apparently uh-huh. not. Uh, this has only affected gaming companies and not... Uh, thousands of people in the media. Yeah, so now it's all the gaming companies that got docs, but I mean, their yeah. information is public anyway, so it's not that big of a deal. But and then they posted a list of like, here's ten publishers we're going to have at uh, the E3. Yeah, which cool. is like okay. It's also kind if of it weird said what they were going to be presenting. That would be another matter. Yeah, but mm-hmm. well, that wasn't on there. It was just the the name of the pe- of the companies attending. Uh, but you know, related to this, and I think the bigger news is uh, Jeff Keighley is basically pieced out and says, "No, I'm not not going this year." Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, "I've made the dis- difficult decision to decline to produce E3 Coliseum mm-hmm. uh, for the first time in 25 years. I'll not be participating in E3. Uh, I think E3 needs to become more digital and global. Uh, it's a brand that means a lot to people, but it shouldn't just be a show floor." Uh, what else he say? Uh, I think he was talking about how he did not have uh, the best confidence in the show based on what he had seen so far about what E3 2020 is going to be like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was definitely a big uh, issue for him. Yeah. Uh, which definitely uh, speaks a lot to the guy that's been kind of the the public face of the show for the last few years doing E3 Coliseum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest, Jeff Keighley also probably has some pretty significant insider access so if he's like, uh, yeah, I have no confidence in this show, that says a lot more than uh, <laughs> than just random Joe Schmo exhibitor not deciding to show up. Oh. You know, uh, if yeah. he's like, yeah, um, actually, it's not really worth my time. That's that's a big, big statement. Uh-huh. Uh, he's still doing Gamescom, yeah. though. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, still working on that. And yeah, the, the ESA responded to this by saying, uh, we will still feature guest gamers, celebrities, and digital programming on the show floor while connecting with global audiences through extended live streaming. How that would be the debut of an all-new floor experience that would be streamed to bring exclusive conversations with leading industry inv- innovators and creators to attendees and fans worldwide. Well, well screw uh, him. We don't need him anyway. Mm-hmm. Continuing to just market in their responses, yeah, uh, and also ironically responding to uh, this issue in the publisher list issues much faster than they did when they doxed a bunch of people, mm-hmm. <laughs> showing their uh, their where their real concerns are. Yeah, public and journalists, eh, don't care about them. Oh, mm. publishers, oh yeah, oh, got to take care of them. Uh, yeah, they're paying them. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Uh, yeah, I I have the sneaking suspicion this year's E3 is going to be a massive clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait. It'll be interesting to see how it all goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I I legit can't wait. Just you know, yeah. it's either we still have four be... months to go, and we still don't really know what's going on with the show. No, I, I mean registrations open, and uh, it's like yeah, the gamer month. badges are available now. Yeah, 
the two-day badges are like 170 bucks, something like that. A little yeah. bit cheaper than the past few years. But if you want to go through all three days, it's a thousand dollars. So you get like special VIP perks and all this, and it's like, really? This is, this is how they're they're gonna ha- handle it going forward. Uh, and it's like it's like when uh, a new launch of a console happens and GameStop's like, here's a thousand dollar bundle with five games, you know, extra controllers, and all this, and you're like, I don't really need all this. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the especially when it's the the first uh, show where you'll be able to play with uh, PS5 and Xbox yeah. uh, Series X, and doesn't seem like there's a ton of people excited to go to this show to uh, put their that. hands on those controllers. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, um, yeah. I, I legit can't wait. It's going to either be really interesting or a complete shit show, and either way, it's going to be entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the question that we're going to have to figure out uh, as staff is if anybody's going to actually make the trip this year. It's mm. like, uh... We'll send Dan Rev with the beer hat. <laughs> yeah. Well, Bethesda invites him, then yeah, he's going to end up going. But either way. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to our last couple of stories. And uh, this one's from, uh, I think, uh, Game Industry. Uh, yeah, Business Insider. Sony's apparently uh, having issues with the PS5 price. Uh, yeah, the one I've been hearing th- throw it around is around $470. Mm-hmm. They got to get that down to four hundred. Yeah, cannot well, I think launch this it is the bill of materials. Yeah, the BLM. Yeah, uh, which is not really surprising for what they're doing, and especially uh, with the coronavirus stuff going on, mm-hmm. uh, potentially impacting the production of materials. Yeah, uh, for this and the Xbox Series X, I suspect we could see uh, the price go up a little bit higher than we would like on these. Yeah, well, I doubt six hundred, but I think both would probably like to get to four hundred or four fifty, yeah. if they can. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of what happened with uh, PS4 last time around. I think the materials was a little bit around the same price yeah. point. They went four hundred. Hmm. Yeah, they took a loss just to, yeah. to get, uh, you know, <laughs> to basically stick it to Microsoft at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing Sony is like uh, interestingly in a different situation in that. Uh, they've actually, they're actually, as far as uh, power goes, weaker uh, than the Xbox Series X, uh, and they're they're waiting on basically what they're calling uh, market conditions to, uh, to determine what their price is going to be. Uh, and those market conditions are uh, Microsoft. It's uh, I think they're legit actually worried about Microsoft this year. Uh, so uh, if you're Good. Microsoft, uh, what you do is you wait till the very last minute to actually make that announcement, <laughs> which is why neither of them have have said anything about the about what the price is actually going to be because uh, oh. they're basically playing chicken at this point. Neither even said what's in their system. Mm. So yeah, it's a weird spot to be in. We just don't know anything really about what either is doing. Yeah, just yet we know basic bullet points but that's about it yeah yeah there's a whole lot of kremlinology going on it's uh yeah it's it's kind of fun i mean uh whether i actually end up buying one or both of these systems i don't know the price is going to certainly depend on uh whether i do uh but yeah for me it's i'm kind of leaning towards the xbox series x honestly it's i don't know just i like the design i haven't seen what the ps5 looks like yet uh 
So, yeah, we'll see. It's going to be a fun year for sure. And don't forget the Intellivision Amico. That's also coming out. Yep. What the Atari VCS? No, <laughs> that that thing's never coming out. Let's just let's just be brutally honest. Oh. Yeah, and even if it does, it's still like a super underpowered PC at this point. So that runs Linux. Uh, so finally, uh, we've got our last story of the day, and that's the Nintendo PlayStation has gone up for auction. Yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah. It is currently going for a lot. <laughs> yeah, last I checked, it was like a six-figure sum. Yeah, it was, uh, let's see, 360000 according to the story. It's probably even higher now. Mm-hmm. And it was 400000 when I checked. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, yeah, the, there's a major player in this that we know, uh, is Palmer Lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, shitlord Palmer Lucky. <laughs> Well, he has the money to afford it, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, whoever's bid- bidding against him, hopefully it's a legit bid, and we find out who it is, because it might be an interesting race. Um, yeah, and I think I saw that on top of this bid, they also have to pay an extra 20% yeah, for fees. Yeah. yeah. Um, so at least it, this thing looks like it's going to be the most uh, expensive video game op- uh, auction uh, so far, yeah. And the, the previous one was like a hundred thousand bucks for a first-run Mario mm-hmm. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, a museum had actually offered the uh, the dude that found it uh, one point three million, and they turned it down. Yeah. Uh, so they're actually they're probably hoping it goes higher than that. So, boy, are they going to be disappointed if it doesn't? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and then the question is: uh, Do you think any more of these actually still exist, or do you think this is the only one? There might be one or two kicking around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I'd be surprised know. if there's one molding in someone's basement somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yellowing, turning a nice uh, shade of piss yellow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we already know what you know, what a SNES looks like today. <laughs> those things uh, with the materials those things were made with and well you've seen what's happened to them yeah they, they don't look so good <laughs> yeah. yeah and i'm gonna like a take a two-tone color scheme yeah i'm gonna take a wild guess and say that some of the materials they used for making the snes are probably some of the materials they used for <laughs> this as well yeah so yeah so you know, which stands to reason. Yeah, probably came out of the same factories. Yeah, and these these were prototypes, so they you know they probably had a similar manufacturing process, and they only had like one made like twelve of them or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but seeing the photos of this particular one, it doesn't look like the yellowing has been that big of a deal for it. Probably because it wasn't ever in the sun. So yeah, yeah, it's got that going for it, and. It is now an actual working unit, which uh, is something that uh, you can't say about any other one that might uh, show up. So there's still something so off-putting about seeing this thing physically, though, because it's like a, you get a look at like how different a course gaming history could go if this thing actually went forward. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Nintendo decided that, uh, no, we're going to partner with Philips instead and screw Sony. 
Um, Which was a great move. Yeah. Oh, so many great games. Just a fantastic, incredible move. <laughs> the <laughs> best Zelda games. Those today. PlayStation sales figures um, clenched Yamauchi's sphincter so so hard that it cured his prostate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so this uh, there's still a few weeks left uh, to go on this uh, auction. Uh, we'll follow up when it actually ends up closing and see what happens. Uh, it's yeah, uh, I do like this thing just has a fat CD drive in it. Yeah, that's just that's uh, big ass CD Which drive. no game console would really have until the PS2. Mm. Uh, PS2 and Xbox uh, 360, I guess. Mm. Uh, which is kind of like a thing that's... Well, she said did the flip top kind of thing. Yeah. Well, technically, the original Sega CD did, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, didn't work so well. No, the longevity of those proved to be a problem. Yes, yeah. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up there. I think uh, it was an interesting show, an interesting week, and uh, yeah, it's, I suspect uh, getting closer to E3, we're going to see even more uh, catastrophes show up. Because the probably, ESA, yay. So if you haven't subscribed to the show, you can uh, do so at anchor.fm slash update. Also, subscribe your friends to the show. You can also subscribe your enemies to the show. Hate listens? Yeah, well, we're good with that, too. You can also check out smashpad.com, where we got our written content and uh, some interesting stuff there so far. For uh, Patrick Mifflin, Brandon Perkins, and Chris Sologi, I have been Filippo Donolfo, and we'll see you next week.